Big run coming. The 12 to the inside. Shuffles the four out. Now Blaney and Harvick down the back stretch for the final time and into turn three. Blaney with a push from the 24 of Byron. Here comes Harvick on the outside. Can the 36 get to the back bumper of the four and give him a big push? Momentum coming. They're side by side through the trioval. Blaney, Harvick, Blaney, Harvick. They spin behind him. It's going to be Blaney. Blaney gets the win at Talladega. Well, Chris, one of these days we're going to have a runaway winner, three, four seconds, kick our feet up on the final lap and watch our, our guy go around uh, the final lap to the checkered flag. It was not this week, but, hey, all tickets cast the same. Ryan Blaney by about four inches over Kevin Harvick casts a 12-1 outright uh, for flat hitting the first outright we've hit. On either side in quite a while, so I know. I know at least a month. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know the uh, the podcast last week did not get started on a, <laughs> a very, on a pretty somber note, um, but uh, yeah, cash the tickets worth every uh, every second of the sweat. Ryan Blady comes through for us. Absolutely. And uh, before I jump into what we're talking about, the audio probably sounds a little different to you this week. Um, we are kicking this back to like the very first episodes of ever recording <laughs> this. Uh, we're in person recording together. Um, at Ian's apartment. I think it's actually the first time we've ever recorded at his apartment together. Uh, so, um, yeah, pretty cool to be in person in Charlotte in the backyard of the race this week. So, um, yeah, pretty cool. But I didn't want to say that off the jump because it probably sounds really echoey, but just deal with it. Yeah, um, yeah so Ryan Blaney, honestly, uh, yeah, that was awesome. I mean, looking back, right, looking back at when we just watched it again, that could have easily swung in a very bad direction for us. Um, I've watched that a few times, and if LaJoy and Herbst or Herbst, Herbst and uh Chase Elliott and Larson, all of them don't spin behind, I actually do think Harvick wins this race because they have the momentum behind them to give him that last push. Yeah, that line died out, Harvick didn't have anybody else behind him. Um, so we did get a little lucky, but uh, it does feel good to cash a Ryan Blaney ticket, uh, especially I think I talked about earlier this year. I went back and look at last year. Ryan Blaney was the one driver we lost the most money on betting last year. So we haven't bet him that much this year, uh, but he comes through for us, obviously, here at Talladega. So, um, yeah, honestly, um, it felt good to see. We got some. We got we got a DM or two, people saying they cashed with us, which is always nice. Um, so, yeah, well, I think you just actually asked me, is that the biggest week we've had this year in NASCAR? And I haven't looked that up yet, but it's, I feel like it's got to be close because it's – it's probably top five of all time. For yeah, flag definitely. I mean, and that's that's kind of why we like Super Speedways because we don't really, uh, we really just focus on one market. And uh, you know, Chris allocates his budget typically a little more conservatively than I do. Um, chases a few more props and wants to, you know, have some outs to break even. But this week, when full in on the outrights, it pays off. And uh, we were talking about coming to the car right up up on the way here. Um, you know, in terms of if you if you follow our, our cards every week from unit by unit. Um, this kind of feels like almost like two outrights with hitting a 12 to one with, with the amount of uh, money we put on that. So, so we'll update here. Yeah. It's actually third this year. Interesting. Okay. Is Logano Atlanta number one? Is number two. Number two. Okay. So that's 39 units. Okay. Number one overall, Bristol Dirt, 42 units. <laughs> that was, I think that was the, that was the week we were just talking about where we hit uh, every prop. Every prop. Yeah. Out, right. Yeah. And I, I'll actually, you know why that is? I know exactly why it is. Because we hit Larson qualifying that week. We hit Larson on the pole. Uh, maybe. So yeah. that kind of goes into it. But I guess on race day, uh, I mean, obviously, I, I did not actually watch that race. I remember that was a race where I was on the golf course. And then 
my phone started blowing up and I was like, oh, Chris Rebell won. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, because I wasn't, I didn't watch the qualifying that week and I didn't watch the race that week and we won both. So I went on like a two week sabbatical, like not trying to watch the race. So just in case there was like a, some kind of curse against if I watched the race, something bad would happen. I uh, didn't end up planning out, but uh, yeah, obviously great to be back in the winner's column um, and great to be back up for the year um, for Chris. Now with a nice little cushion, Getting into the final race of the round of 12, uh, what is it now? Five races left on the calendar, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hoping to keep the train rolling here um, as NASCAR season winds down. Um, but, yeah, man, back in Charlotte. I just landed about three or four hours ago, three hours ago now. Um, not going to the Roval, but, uh, you know, here for a friend's wedding. Shout out to our boy Shedigo, uh getting married next weekend. So I'm going to be spending the week, um, you know, boozing up, golfing a little bit, just enjoying Time back at the homeland, and uh, shout, shout, special shout out to anyone that remembers the old school FHP <laughs> yeah, in Chris's kitchen because I, I don't, I would not imagine many people of, of many of y'all um, remember the time when we just uh, this was just a two man operation um, in Chris's kitchen trying to kind of keep his dog from biting the wires and everything like that. Uh, tough watch. I wouldn't even personally go back and watch and, and listen to that stuff. So <laughs> by all means. Um, we've come a long way, you know, Chris, now a dad, I uh, moved a couple of States down for some work opportunities. So, uh, it's crazy how things have progressed and, uh, we appreciate everyone for tuning in tonight. We'll see if we can, uh, get you some winning bets and, uh, get you some good positions heading into the weekend here at, uh, you know, our home track here at the Roval. So, um, yeah, that's all I've got brother. So that's all I've got for the intro. So let's, Hey, might as well dive right into it. Try to make it two in a row, uh, right here in our backyard, the Bank of America Robo 400 a race that we went to last year. Saw one of our personal favorite drivers, Christopher Bell, kind of steal one there at the end. But uh, interested to kind of hear your breakdown, kind of some of your comp tracks, uh, some metric you're using heading into your handicapping process. And obviously, we will head into the betting board directly after that, try to find you guys some bets on a Friday evening. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, we are headed, obviously, to Charlotte for the Roval. Uh, one note I want to bring up real quick is that we actually are coming back here next year. I think I said a few weeks ago I didn't expect to be uh, back at the Roval next year. I thought we are going to have two ovals. Um and I guess I don't know. Maybe I'm the uh, maybe I'm the outlier here because I saw a lot of people actually really excited to see the Rovals back next year. Um, I don't know. I think the Oval has been better. Uh, we just talked about how even the in-person experience is better on the Oval. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we will be back here next year. So I mean, I guess you know we can say we have five data points for being here in the past. We've got five road courses from this year. It's a lot to build on for next year as well. So uh, I guess you have that to look at um but yeah so obviously this is the roval for anyone who isn't aware maybe you're a typically a golf listener uh, and you're tuning in this week to kind of learn about the event um this is obviously in charlotte carolina it does take place at the charlotte north speedway um or at charlotte north speedway but they actually make a road course um with the oval uh, if you actually live in the charlotte area you also know that they use um they they use the same kind of path for uh christmas lights in the uh in the winter time they like they actually funnel cars through the tunnel you go through the road course you go through the garage you come out on the track it's pretty cool uh, but anyways you build a road course on an oval so biometric it's a road course and an oval because half of the race is on a or half of the course is on part of the oval um it ends up being 2.28 miles we have two chicanes um and worth noting that this year we are actually restarting in one of the chains on the front stretch. Um, and then we all also have um, heartburn 
What is it? Heartburn? Thomas Heartburn. Uh, they switched around a lot. Yeah. I remember Thomas Heartburn Turn. That was the one yeah. that stuck with me. Heartburn Turn. I feel like they rebranded every other year. But we'll yeah. have to see what it is this year. But obviously, the Turn 1 is very similar to uh, the Indy Road Course Turn 1, where you can have a lot of havoc. And given that we're going to have three stages here, um, there's going to pro- probably be havoc. Not to mention, we also have playoff strategies and uh, bringing stage, play- stage racing back into the play on road courses. We're going to have different strategies in play in general. Um, that's going to be a spoiler. That's going to be a lot of the topic tonight uh, because I think pretty much every driver we talk about, we have to talk about do they have the incentive of staying out or going for the win? Um, so you're going to hear that really, literally for every driver. Um, as far as the model goes for what I'm building, obviously I'm looking at every road course that we went to this year, which is five road courses, but I am putting an emphasis on two of them. Uh, Ian, I was going to make you guess, but we've already talked about it, so now you know who it is, what they are. Um, so the two I'm putting emphasis on are Indy Road Course and Watkins Bluff. Wait, I lied. Did I tell you wrong earlier? Now that I'm looking no, yeah, you, you told me Indy Road Course and Coda last yes. when, we, when we talked, yeah. Yes, so it should be it should be Indy Road Course and Coda. I misspoke earlier. Okay, yeah. Um, I am sprinkling in a little bit more Glenn just for the fact that it's the only other road course we've had this year that has stage racing. So that's why I was wanting to incorporate that. But as far as um, track speeds go, it is more comparable to to Coda and Indy. Indy being the closest. So if we look at last year at the Roval, the average speed was 86 miles an hour. Indy, we ran 92 miles an hour. The pole speed was 103. And then this year, Indy was 99. So literally only a few miles per hour off. So I feel like that's the most comparable. Coda, I feel like the track is more similar than Indy. Um, Indy being just like a little bit more technical. Uh, Coda with a little bit more of the... Um, long straights, high speedways, high high speeds. So, um, yeah, so I'm sprinkling in those, pretty much every track, but with more emphasis on um, Indian Coda. Um, I am looking at the last three years at the Roval. I'm looking at the Roval career. I am looking at 2023 20, total speed. I'm looking at the total speed at the comp track, so all of the road courses. I'm looking at loop data at all the comp t- courses. Um, I've got driver rating, driver rating, um, rank at just the Roval. I've got driver rating rank at just the comp road courses. And then I've got our stat that we brought up last week, that one I'm trying to slip up with a name with, the Fox stat, which is the, hey, it works last week. It did. Uh, which it did. is one for one in the fucked era. Which is a uh, mix of basically driver rating, start position, finishing position, which is where the FQD comes from. Um, so I'm looking at that at the Roval from last year. Or sorry, Roval's from the last three years and also sprinkling in the contracts as well. So uh, with that all being said, and then I also have my momentum factor for the last six races coming in to kind of see who's got speed at this point in time in the season. So shake that all out, put it in a blender. What do we get? Here it is. Number one, Tyler Rick. Number two, Chase Elliott. Number three, William Byron. Number four, Christopher Bell. Number five, actually, sorry, I missed books. Flip Byron and Bell. I forgot to change mine. Okay. I had a formula error that I discovered at dinner, and I forgot to actually flip it in here. So three Bell. Three is Bell. Four is Byron. Yep. Five is Busher. Okay. Six is Bowman. Seven is Hamlin. Eight is Kyle Busch. Nine is Kyle Larson. Ten is Truex. And then 11 is McDowell. So, um, yeah. I mean, honestly, you, saw, you heard the first three names, three, four names there, or the first three on the odds board. So we're going to jump right there in a minute. Um, but let's talk about, I mean, I'll, I guess I'm kind of leading you into this. Let's talk yeah. about the playoffs for a second. Let's right. look at the standing. So I'll throw it to you for that. Unless you don't have it up. No, I've got it right now. Actually, I was going to bring it up uh, in between. So we're, in, we're reading each other's mail here on the podcast. 
Uh, but yeah, this is obviously the cutoff race for the round of 12. So after Sunday night, we will only have eight guys eligible to win the official chase for the cup. Um, obviously, of the 12 drivers, two are automatically exempt into the round of eight. Those being the two winners of the last two races, William Byron at Texas, Brian Blaney at Talladega. So they are automatically into the round of eight. So they have nothing to worry about coming into the Roval. Um, the other 10 drivers I'll classify in three different tiers. Um, the first tier will be basically just the guys that just have to avoid disaster, I would say, in order to advance. Those being Denny Hamlin, who I would say is already safe. He's 50 points to the good, so I couldn't imagine a situation where Denny Hamlin's not into the round of eight. But then you have four through seven, uh, being Christopher Bell, 22 points above the cut line. Uh, Chris Busher, 19 points above the cut line. Martin Truex, 17 points above the cut line. Kyle Larson, 15 points above the cut line, which, you know, it looks really good on paper, but me and Chris just watched the, the kind of extended highlights of the Roval. Larson, late in that race, stage three, was 20-plus points above the cut line. Uh, had, he had to come into pit road for damage. Uh, and then a couple of kind of late race restarts did not go his way. So he ended up kind of falling down, eventually being eliminated in the stage, despite being 20 points to the good with only 30, 40 laps to go. So um, avoid disasters probably, you know, maybe a bit too dramatic, I would say, just like, if they can just secure a solid finish between Bell, Busher, Truex, Larson, you got to feel like they're pretty safe, being 15 to 25 points to the good. You get closer to the cut line here, starting at eight. Obviously, the last man in currently is Brad Keselowski, just two points to the good, who um, and he is obviously right just ahead of Tyler Reddick, who's currently ninth in the standings right now, two points behind Keselowski for the eight spot. And then behind Tyler Reddick, Chast- Ross Chastain in the 10, and Bubba Wallace in the 11 spot, just nine and 10 points above the cut line there. So not inconceivable for any of those three drivers. Reddick, Chastain or Bubba with a solid day, particularly with how we project Kozlowski's road course acumen. Um, it feels like, you know, one of those three is actually probably likely to jump uh, Kozlowski. Uh, we'll kind of discuss who in the coming minutes here. And then you have finally the final player or the final driver uh, remaining in the round of 12, the 12th place driver coming into the Roval, Kyle Busch, 26 points down uh, heading into the final stage. So you would, you would assume that, he would need to win or he would need some real havoc to befall the guys directly in front of him. Uh, but he would still need what at worst, a top three finish with some stage points. So uh, Kyle pretty much going for broke here. He's very much in the same spot that Christopher Bell was um, coming into the 2022 iteration of the Roval. Bell, obviously through pitch strategy through some like cautions was able to get the job done. So Kyle Bush hoping to repeat the trick in the eight car uh, coming into 2022 or 2023. I'm sorry. So, um, so yeah, if you're if you're a Byron fan, if you're a Blaney fan, if you're a Hamlin fan, this is a race you can kind of kick your feet up, I feel like, um, and just kind of, you know, see what your guy has for the last road course race of the season. Um, if you're a Bell, Busher, Truex, or Larson fan, you're a little bit on on edge. You don't want anything bad to befall these guys because obviously one trip to the garage and your season could be over, but they're in a good spot kind of heading um, into the final race. And then if you're a Kozlowski, Reddick, Chastain, or Wallace fan, you're really going to be sweating. You're really going to need some help um, or really top finish from your guy. And then Kyle Busch kind of going for broke with nothing really to lose at this point. Minus 26 is going to need to win. So that is, um, that's how things stand heading into the final race of the round of 12. And obviously that will be a big talking point as we get into the outright odds board, because as Chris alluded to earlier, these guys not exactly incentivized. Some of these guys not exactly incentivized to win because if you're a guy like Truex or a guy like Larson, Bell or Busher, um, you know, you feel like a nice, solid top 10 day um, should be enough to kind of propel you into the round of eight, which, you know, at the end of the day, these guys want to win every race they've uh, participated in, but they're not going to go ahead and try to throw away their season for um, a long shot uh, chance of victory here in Charlotte this week. So just something to think about heading into the week. Um, again, 
pretty basic stuff. But if you guys weren't aware of kind of where these drivers stand, um, maybe a, a push in the right direction or maybe a bit of a tiebreaker if you're looking at the outright market or some of DFS stuff um, in terms of some upside drivers versus some forward drivers. So, Chris, anything else on the standings? Anything that you kind of noticed or uh, are, um, or you think I missed or we just we pretty much good to head in the odds board? Yeah, no, and we're going to kind of talk through some of these strategies as we go through the odds board. Yeah. So I think we're good to keep on moving here. Okay, so here we are. We are on Friday evening. Uh, so we're going to try to get this podcast out as soon as possible because we know that qualifying is uh, tomorrow afternoon. Mm-hmm. Pretty short uh, life, uh, pretty short shelf life on this podcast, but we're just going to be sitting there talking about kind of our general profiles of the drivers. We can make our own determinations after practicing qualifying um, as to kind of whose stock has fallen, whose stock has risen, and obviously Chris will have all the bets he decides to make on our Twitter profile. So don't um, don't sweat that. This is just kind of us talking through each individual driver. We will head into the outrides board with about you know twenty hours or so until qualifying tomorrow, 17, 18 hours until qualifying tomorrow. Chase Elliott uh, comes in at the top of the heap, six to one this week. Uh, obviously he held the lead. He was, you know, the shoe and favorite to win last year's role, the best road course racer probably on play. I think he's won what three of the five races here at the Roval. Um, I know he won a really sick run before Larson won in 2021. Uh, but you know, if, if he you won two of the last two, last, won two, two of the last, Four, right? Five. Five. Okay. Yeah. Because Blaney stuck one in there as well, right? Two for two for Chase, one for Blaney, one for Bell, one for, one for Larson. Larson. Yeah. Okay. So Chase, I think you won the first two. Um, but yeah, if you guys obviously follow NASCAR for any amount of time, you know Chase Elliott's road course acumen. Should have three. Should have three. One <laughs> for a rogue sign that got put in the middle <laughs> of the uh, backstretch uh last year with about 12 to go. Uh he is joined at the top by William Byron, just one point behind him. Obviously, Byron the winner of Watkins Glen. Um just a really consistent performer, really all year round, no matter what the track type is. So seven to one, William Byron, and then Tyler Reddick, eight to one, who you would anticipate, um, you know, on a normal road course week, kind of being put right there next to Chase Elliott. Um, he's the one that sticked out to me right off the bat of these top three guys is having um, maybe just the best objective value heading into practice and qualifying. I know our boy Skybox is pretty heavy on Reddick this week, so I'll throw it to Chris here between Elliott, Byron, and Reddick, six to one, seven to one, eight to one. Um, is there anyone compelling enough to make a move here, or is this a tier you're willing to kind of um, leave to practice and qualifying, leave the chance and see kind of how numbers reset on Sunday morning? So if I had to pick one, like gun to my head right now, I think it's Reddick in both instances, price and like model related, Correct. like the eye test. Yeah. Um, not only is he first, he is oh, like very damn close to being a full point better than chase which is kind of wild like i don't know if we've said that yet yeah <laughs> um now there is like a clear top four and it is the obviously reddick elliot bell and byron they are the four of them like once we get past bell it is a almost five point gap to the next person okay. uh which is kind of crazy um but yeah i think it's reddick um and i do want to kind of talk through reddick here but i do think all three of these guys are interesting because i think they you can almost make the arguments in a few different ways for some of them. So let's just talk about Chase, right? Chase, obviously, in quotes, isn't in the playoffs, but his car is. Yeah. So is there an argument that he could be stage racing? Potentially. Do I think that's actually a thing for Chase? Like in their plans this week? I don't. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's look at the owner's points here. I mean, he's 56 points clear. 
Okay, so, so he's yeah, so he basically has nothing to lose here. He's he's already on to the round of eight. Yeah, so yeah, so he needs to. I mean, they're going to be on the winning strategy. They've got the arguably best driver in the paddock at this type of track. They've got the winningest car on road courses uh, over the last three years on this style track. So you've got to think the nine car is going out guns blazing. Yeah, William Byron, I think is interesting. We're going to talk about him because I think we actually kind of have not opposing views, but just a little different views here. Uh, I made the argument earlier in the week in our group chat that I thought Byron's price was interesting because, and the only reason I think he's priced where he is, is two reasons: is qualifying and the fact that he doesn't need a stage race. He's already he's already through. He can basically coast through this race, or he can go for the win. And if he spins or whatever, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Just plead your case <laughs> because yeah, and I don't think it's wrong. I just I think it's interesting. Yeah. So Byron, for me as an outsider, basically looking in when I first kind of pulled the odds board up Monday night, Tuesday morning, whenever it got posted. Byron stuck out to me. I kind of even alluded to it in my kind of intro of these three guys, but I felt like Chase and Reddick should probably be the, the two guys at the top. I felt like they were the guys most that, according to common sense, I think you should put as the two favorites at a road course race, particularly with the, with the situation Reddick is in. Basically, you know, I mean, there's a chance obviously he can't point his way in, but obviously at a track like this, he alluded to it uh, on the – uh on the front stretch at uh, Talladega, you know, he, he thought you know, he was in a really good position. He could kind of be aggressive kind of coming into a track type that he, he felt a lot of confidence on. So obviously a win takes care of every one of his worries in terms of advancing to the round of eights. And you look at obviously Reddick's not only his history at this type of track, but you know, a guy that routinely runs up front at road course, routinely qualifies super well at road courses. So if there's one of these three guys number that I think is most likely to like, Fall the most, it would be Tyler Reddick. I know Byron qualifies really well. The problem I have with Byron is, I mean, he's just not as good of a road course racer pound for pound than, than Chase and Reddick. And yeah, you can talk about obviously his win at the Glen, and you know he was one of the fastest cars, if not the fastest car in that in that field that week. But it feels like this is a bit of a different test. I feel like Hendrick has kind of had the formula for the Glen for a few years now. You know, whether it be Chase, whether it be Byron, whether it be Larson, like. I don't feel like his win at Watkins Glen means more than, say, Reddick's win at Coda or, you know, what, what Chase has done on, I think, more comparable tracks, just apples to apples to the Roval that we'll see this week. So for me, I just don't trust Byron, particularly not when we're getting, you can get Reddick at one more point. I feel like there's not really a big edge um, for Byron in qualifying. I, I expect him to have a fast Saturday, but I expect Reddick or, or LA to be just as quick, um, kind of in practice and qualifying. So for me, when it comes down to, to just race pace and just being able to close the deal on a track like this. Um, I would much rather go to Reddick. Obviously, I think we're in agreement there. And I would, I would rather bet Chase at six person than Byron at seven, but that's, that's just me. Yeah. So I think that although I understand Byron's price, like I think I can make the argument of why he's priced there, but am I willing to go there? Yeah. I think I, in that sense, I agree with you. Um, also, you bring up a really, really good point that I didn't highlight until just now. I just kind of took a deeper, deeper dive into this. Uh, the qualifying metric turned out a little bit different than I thought. Um, I had, this is the first time I'm looking at it, to be honest with you, is because yeah. I just thought about it right before we hit report of like, oh shit, we actually have qualifying odds for the first time. We don't typically yeah, true, talk true. about this on a, on a Tuesday, but on a Friday, we've got qualifying odds. So I did pull up the model, and uh, Byron is 11th in the qualifying model. Um, now, I will say part of that has to do with. He's got, um, he's got a pole this year, and he's got a second. But the other two, Sonoma 26th qualifying, and Indy 39th. I don't know what happened there. 
But yeah, I feel like yeah, I think he had an issue, didn't he? Like I there's no way like Byron just like qualified 39th, you know, yeah, or 30, yeah, whatever, yeah. like in the in the 30s. I feel like that was a race he definitely had an issue. I don't recall what it was, but um a similar thing happened to him at the Glen a couple years back where I think he failed an inspection. Um years. I, I don't know. I like when does Byron ever like you're you're talking about seven to one, and when I'm talking about a guy seven to one, like I need full faith. I need to be, I need to have been able to see a guy go out there and dominate a track like this, right? Yeah. And Byron won the Glen. He like I said, he was one of the best cars in the field that week. But we talked about earlier, you know, Gallant McDowell was super fast that week. Um, it was was fighting Byron for the win. He ends up getting a penalty on pit road, getting back in the field with no stage breaks, no chance to come back. Same with Larson. Larson was probably the first or second best car in that field. It seemed like him and Byron were the two fastest of the HMS paddock. And then again, Larson, pit penalty, he goes to the back of the field, can't recover. So I think Byron, even though you know he won the, the Glen pretty comprehensively, I don't think he was tested as much as I feel like he's going to be this week. Um, he can have a fast car, but if I miss it, William Byron take it a seven to one, I'm, I'm completely fine with it. It's not a it's not a price I'm like itching to be like, oh god, we gotta we gotta bet this guy. Particularly when you talk about a guy who look, obviously these guys want to win their competitors, but you know, Byron can finish. He can. I mean, if something bad happens to Byron in the race, he can just be like, all right, that's fine. I'll finish 25th and let's let's just move on to, to the round of eight. So, um, I, I just I just don't really see. Um, I just don't really see the, the whole picture there, particularly again at, at the number he's posted at, which I think we're kind of in agreement on anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. is there any chance you bet Chase? Like, is there is there a buy point on Chase? Because I feel like we are getting a bit of drift. I feel like he opened to like five, five and a half to one. We're seeing six to ones now. I did not expect um I expected like when he was again opening at five, it felt like there was kind of a tier one, and then you know, we kind of had two or three guys into the next tier with Byron Reddick and a couple of guys we'll get to in a little bit. But it seems like we're getting a bit of drift on Chase, six to one at a road course. He should have won here last year. Um, I understand like the model might not be as kind to him. I'm, I'm curious to know how how much his absence at Coda hurts him in your modeling. Um, but because I mean, you know, I know he was runner up at the Indy Road Course. We know he's dominant here. This is probably I think maybe his his best track um, in terms of the four road or the five road courses between I think the Glen, Coda, Sonoma. Okay, the Glen, but definitely between like Coda, Sonoma, Indy Road yeah, Course. Yeah, okay, I, yeah. Like, at, at worst, the Red Bulls, uh, for, uh second uh, yeah. of the five road courses. So, um, is there a world in which, or is there a buy price in which you would you would think about Chase Elliott this week, or um, are you more compelled by the kind of the middle back of the board to to kind of you know be okay with missing out on this potential win? I think if Reddick and Chase were flipped, I'd be in on Chase. So okay. I think like the seven fifty eight price. Okay. Um, which we're, we would never get. <laughs> like, probably not. Between Chase's history, his all the money coming in on him from being the number one driver, the number one fan's favorite driver. Yeah. Um, the fact that he doesn't have to stage race, like I don't, we were we were never going to get that number. So I guess the answer to your question is probably not. But with that being said, like if something crazy happens in qualifying, yeah, like and he does fall, I do think there's a world where we could bet him for sure. Do you expect him to like? How do you expect Chase to qualify? Uh, good, good. Okay, so yeah, the yeah. qualifying numbers are there. You had some concerns with Byron on Saturday, but not not so much with Chase. Nope. Okay. Nope. The of the of the top four in my model, they are all top four in, or three of them are top four in right. the qualifying model. Chase or uh, William Byron is not one of them. Okay, so I think we're I think we've ended this segment on the on the same page. Like we like Reddick probably the best price adjusted. We like Chase the second best. Maybe hoping for a bit of drift after practical qualifying, but um, it seems like if we're going to make a click on Friday, 
nice Saturday morning. It feels like the eight car, right? Or sorry, the 45 car. It ain't eight to one. Uh, it is a 45 car. And let me just give my justification for Reddit because I know there's a lot of people out there that are on the fence about what to do with Reddit. And I, it's not that I'm not on the fence. I just feel a little bit more. I feel a little bit more. Um, strongly, I guess it's not the word I'm looking for. It's a terrible word to use, but I feel more strong about my case for Reddick than I think what people are worried about. So everyone's worried about because after Talladega, you know, on pit road, Reddick, uh, Bob Packers asked Reddick, okay, now you're two points below the cut line going into the Roval. How does that make you feel? And Reddick, I think he answered the question honestly, but he said, I imagine we'll probably be stage stage racing. Now, I think there's a few takeaways from this. One is like, okay, he could be right. Like maybe they are, but he hasn't talked to his team at this point. There's been this is like off the cuff. You just got done with with Dega. You don't. You probably don't even know what your point situation is until Bob brings it up. Like this is a very on the spot question to answer. So of course he's going to say, yeah, we're probably stage racing just to be safe because at, at the end of the day he wants to make it known that the championship is more important to him than a win at the Roval. Right. So I understand why he answered that. Is there a world where they do sit down at 2311 this week and decide, yeah, Tyler, you're uh, stage racing this week. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, I think there is a possibility. That's the chance. Now, where I disagree with that, though, if I'm in that meeting and if I'm sitting at that table, I'm making the argument of, guys, this is the role. We've got Tom's heartburn turn. And we've got stage racing back. Yeah. So we're going to have at least two cautions where it's going to stack the field back up. Who's to say that you stage race and you still don't find your and you still end up finding yourself in a bad position because of a Logano punching himself into turn one and taking everybody out. Yeah. Like, or who's to say that you maybe you're not on the pole or maybe you're not starting top five. Let's say he qualifies seventh to eleventh. Okay. And let's you could probably map it out at that time of like, okay, who ahead of us do we expect to pit? I think that could be a very much a live decision, but at the same time is it really worth staying out at that point? Like if we expect no passing, which I think is a possibility because we saw it last year, we saw it at the Glen and you're starting seventh to 11th. Like, of course you're going to come and pit because you're not going to be able to make up that ground. I don't care who you, I mean, Tyler Reddick, yes, he's been one of the best, best better road course drivers, but I don't think he's been the best this year by any means. Like he's definitely taken a step back. So to make that ground up and to get, Oh wow. Tyler, we got three stage points that round. Like, does that really make a difference when you could just go for the win. You can yeah. pit early and put yourself in a position to go for the win at the end of the race. Now, I know people who listen to this are probably saying, like, okay, well, he, he could go for the win and something could happen there too. But what is the likelihood that something's going to happen from the top two rows than any rows back? Like, I just think that's it's a safer place to be. Um, yeah. So I feel pretty strongly that Reddick is not stage racing. Now, who's to say he doesn't go stage racing for the first stage and then short pits the second and puts himself in position for the last stage? I mean, that's that's also still a possibility. Yeah. So I just refuse to believe that he's going to completely put with the driver that Reddick is. The the I mean, we saw we saw utter domination at Coda. I mean, he was yeah. on a completely different strategy than everybody else, and almost, it probably would have lapped the field if it wasn't for late cautions. Yeah. Um. I just feel like if you're, I don't even know his crew chief's name, but if you're his crew chief, you've got to sit down and say like, I've got the top three road course driver in the stable in my car. Yeah. And we're going, we're, we got to play to his strength. We're not going to play this game. So that's how I feel. So yeah. with, with that being said, I think, I think I am willing to bite his eight to one price. Now I do have arguments for other people. Yeah. So we might not click that tonight, 
But with that being said, he's also uh, second in the qualifying model. Yeah. Um, number one actually surprised me, which we'll talk about a little bit. But yeah. he is second in the qualifying model. So I do expect him, not only is he second, I'm pretty sure, let me validate this. I'm pretty sure his average qual or his like qual average qualifying position is like something absurd. Hold, please. His qualifying position is, oh, yeah, it's absurd. In 2022, or sorry, in 2022 and 2023 combined, he has a 3.67 average qualifying position. In just 2023, he's got a three and a half. So he's gotten better, actually, in qualifying in the next-gen era. Yeah. The only thing that's dragging him down is he hasn't typically qualified well at the Roval in particular. Um, right. But qualifying in general at road courses is is phenomenal so yeah and i i, I echo that sentiment because I, I feel like this would be a different discussion if we're talking about like chase Britsko or like you know like a guy that like or even like kozlowski i feel like kozlowski like stands a really good chance to maybe stage race pick up some points and put the pressure on reddick and these guys below him but like like if you're tyler reddick in his camp like this is a race you have circled at the start of the year like we this is the exact position you want to be in like put our driver out there with a chance to win to move on to the round of eight. And then obviously when the round of eight comes, you know, it, it could be any, anyone's ball game to maybe get the Phoenix just one step away. So it just feels like, man, you are leaving a lot of chance if you go out there and and just play for the stage points and, and just you're, you're putting it in Kozlowski's hands. Cause all of a sudden you, you come in and you, if you just say you win stage two, you're not winning this race. And all of a sudden, like, if something crazy happens, Kozlowski ends up, like, in the top 10. He he strategizes his way to the front, which that that team, time and time again, has kind of found a way to manufacture, I feel like, top finishes. I just don't – if you're Redick, like, why would you accept, like, putting your fate in the hands of someone else? You know, like, I, I know Kozlowski not exactly the strongest road course racer. And, you know, guys like Chastain and Bubba, um, you should be favored over those guys. But I feel like, you know, why risk it? Just go out there and – Secure top finish. We talked about this at, at dinner, but you know, if you finish inside the top five, that's what 30 points right there. And that's probably good enough to do it right there. So you don't, you're not forced to do it. And I feel like with the, with just the point position he's in, um, I would just be generally disappointed. Like money, money, like aside, betting aside, like I would just be disappointed in the A team or the, sorry. And if we just watched the, the, yeah. the, the highlights <laughs> of the, uh, 2022 Roval. So bear with me if I keep saying the 18, but I would be, I would be disappointed in the, in the 45 team if they go out there and like play it safe and, um, and don't put, don't really trust their driver to go out there and, and get the result they need. So, um, so let's, let's do this real quick. Yeah. I just want to do a quick analysis and this is live analysis here. So bear with me as I do my math here. <laughs> All right. So, I guess this is a devil's advocate argument. Okay. So there is a world where we did talk about this at dinner, but we didn't go this in depth. So I just looked at Brad's average finish position in 2022 and 2023 at road courses. Yeah. 18. Okay. okay. Let's just say now he would also obviously have to actually, no, this isn't even devil's advocate. This actually, I think, furthers our point. Actually, yeah. I think it actually helps our point. Let's just say Brad wins stage one. Win stage two and finishes 18th. Okay. He finishes with 39 points. Okay. So he's 41 points ahead of Reddick with a two point cushion already, right? 41. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So at that point, is that right? Is that right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 30. Yeah. Okay. So at that point, Reddick, all he would have to do is if he finished in the top 
let's just call it the top five, right? Yeah. All he has to do is get nine stage points between the other two stages. Yeah. And you wouldn't think there's that many guys like there's not not, not gonna be that many guys staying out. Right. You would think. Like right. there's like anyone anyone outside the playoffs, like they don't have any incentive to like run for stage points. Yeah. The only people that have incentive to run for stage points are Kozlowski, maybe some of like the four through seven drivers, Bell or Truex or Larson or Busher, if they want to just kind of put some cushion behind these guys. And then maybe like a Chastain Bubba, like if yeah. they if they feel like they can point their way in over Kozlowski. Like, but, that, but this is also the worst case scenario. Like this is right. the worst case. This is if Kozlowski wins both He would have stages. to win both stages and finish 18, which yeah. I just be frank with you, I don't think Brad's gonna even come close to winning this stage. So, so let, let me let's just do a thought experiment real quick. Okay. Let's just say Reddick is leading the race with five laps to go in stage one. He picks. What do you think he's starting in stage two? Where do you think he's starting in stage two? Because it, it, it depends on – like, because this is the playoffs. Like, in the regular season, he might start, like, 13th, 14th. In the playoffs, I think he still starts in the top six or seven. Like, how many guys are going to are gonna risk their whole race to, like, get stage points that don't matter to them? Right? Yeah, I don't think many. Yeah, I think you're right. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think there's a world where – well, in there, you can also flip that to say, I think there's also a world where Reddit could come in and still get stage points. Well, that or just stay out for stage one. Right. And then short pit stage two. True. So there's that scenario too. So they could go ahead and get their cushion mm-hmm. right from the get-go. Yeah. Neil's to say, like I said, that's the worst case scenario, and he would only have to make up nine points somewhere else in the race. Right. So if he finishes fifth. Yeah. If he finishes in the top two or three, he if he finishes if he if he wins, he's off. Then he literally only has to get one other stage point. And he's third. well, if he wins, he's in. <laughs> well, that's who yeah. yeah. Second. How about second? And third? If he's second, he has to get six stage points. Okay. So like two seventh place finishes. Yeah, I think honestly, like, am I am I wrong here? Do I like am I off base saying that like I don't think that many drivers in this field are going to stage or play for stage points? Like, if you're leading this race, you're still going to get stage points if you pit. In my opinion, yeah, you're you're probably right. Is there but is there a case like against that? Like, is there a case for like Ty Gibbs to go out there and stage race? Is there a case for Austin Cinder to go out there and stage race? No, right? No, they're trying to win the race. Yeah, at the end of the day, so I think that actually emboldens the case for a guy like Reddick who has the potential to win the race. And hell, I, like I said, if we anticipate him qualifying towards the front of the field and he's going to drive his way through the pack and be in the top three or four heading into the end of stage one, sure. Sure, Brad, go out there and, and play. Go out there and ruin your race. I'm going to come out here and pit. I know I've got one of the fastest cars on the field and uh, I'm going to get the job done and still probably end up with stage points. Like I said, maybe, maybe Brad, maybe Brad tries to point his way in with the stage breaks. Maybe Chastain, maybe Bubba. Kyle Busch isn't doing it. Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch has to win. He knows that. Yeah. He's not ruining this race. So, and, and I wish I remember, I was trying to pull it up live here, but somebody put out a tweet this week of the average finishing position of a person who stayed out for stage one. Yeah. And where they end up finishing in the race with stage breaks. Yeah. It's it was, not good. It's in the 20s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not good. Oh, and, oh we you could look at this last year. Look on it. I mean, like, yeah. Dude, we remember this shit, dude. You know how many drivers that we uh, that, I mean, remember how many times we've, we were sitting there sweating a road course, being like, "Don't pit, don't pit, don't pit," because if you, you if you pit, you're just done. You're yeah. not driving the way through this field, especially the Roval. Like you're not making up 15 spots at this. I don't care how fast your car is, you're not making up 15 spots this this race. So yeah. Um. Okay. So we've talked a lot about Tyler yeah, Reddick. 40 minutes in, I don't know, three drivers. I don't, <laughs> I don't see how we don't make Tyler Reddick at this point. I do want to kind of throw one thing at you because our budget. Um. Yeah, you know, we try to keep on budget, but I will say. 
to win 30 units, typical amount of or typical allocation for you. Chase Elliott, five unit play. Tyler Reddick, 3.75, both to win 30, 8.75 to win 30. So there is the opportunity, you know, to have it both ways. If you, depending on obviously how we feel about drivers from nine to one down to 25, but uh, it's not inconceivable to fit maybe with the nine and the 45 on the card. Yeah. Um, but again, a lot of that depends on what we think about the next tier, the next two tiers of drivers. And we'll start with some really, really enticing names here, kind of from nine to 10 to one. AJ Allmendinger, um, who was right there, probably the second best car, maybe the third best car after Chase Elliott and Tyler Reddick in last year's race to the Roval. I think second best because he, he was leading Reddick when Bell yep. passed him. So I agree with that. I agree with that. So Allmendinger, we know his acumen on road course races. It feels like the Roval's like indie road course of yeah. this. He's really, really good at uh, Kyle Larson. Of course, winner back here in 2021. Um, I will say probably doesn't need a win. He's a guy that I feel like is maybe as big a threat as anybody sitting in the seventh seed to maybe go out there and stage race and just try to pad his numbers a little bit, get a respectable finish, two, uh, two stages worth of points, and then you're likely in. Um, and then you have Mike McDowell at 10 to 1, who I know is one of Chris's favorites, obviously hit it out right on him at the Indy Road course after mentioned. So, Dinger, Larson, McDowell, I think three guys that, are, that will be very popular in various um, various degrees this week. So um, when it comes down to these guys, is there a guy that you lean towards the most? Is this, a, again, a tier that you kind of want to wait and see on practice qualifying? Um, and is there a guy that maybe you potentially like over the top three names we spent 35 minutes talking about? I don't know that I like them more, but I think the reason why I haven't made a click up top is because I like so many guys down below. And you've listed two of them. Now, Larson, I don't. I think we can skip over Larson because, I mean, there's a few reasons to skip over Larson. Larson yeah. honestly hasn't been the road course racer we've always known him to be. Yeah. I do think that they do want to go and get some stage points of some validity. But I think you just said that between one of the two stages. So I think that that could potentially take him out of the running. Plus, I just, I don't know, I really just don't think he has the acumen to get it done. Yeah. Yeah, Larson, I mean, we talked about this at dinner, but I, I do feel like Larson's, like, back in 2021 when he was so dominant, it felt like he could win every single week. It kind of feels like this this go-around in 2023, if he's going to win the championship, it's going to be on the back of the high-speed intermediates and maybe yeah. a short track. Um, and, yeah, the road course, I mean, we've, we've, we was, we went through the ringer with him at Sonoma, didn't work out. Went through the ringer with him at Watkins Glen, didn't work out. Um, so I feel like, man, if he's going to win a 9-1, to yeah, so yeah, be it. Yeah. You know what? I've got plenty of Larson futures. I'll be happy to see the five card victory lane. Yeah, um, same. We have a, I mean, we have a documented <laughs> future on sitting yeah. on Action Network right now. So, so yeah, uh, yeah. So Larson, I think we can go ahead and cross off. I don't really have any interest there. I don't even really know if I'm going to touch him in the prop market either. I just, I think Larson's day is, is kind of in the air. Like, yeah. could they, could they go over the win? They could, but I think it's, I think it's risky. Yeah. Um, now people are probably saying, "Why do you think the why do you feel like it's risky for Larson, not Reddick?" Well, I, I think I kind of already explained it. I, I just don't, don't think Larson is the same acumen Calibre. of Reddick that Reddick is on road courses. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the car is either, to be fair. Um, I think the Hendrick Hendrick road course package pre next gen was just so good. Yeah, I think it just, <laughs> I think they had. I've heard people say it was the brake package. I've heard different things, but between Chase Elliott, um, Kyle Larson, and honestly, you could Bowman, Bowman, Bowman on next so there. good. Yeah. Bowman has been good. Uh, so. Yeah, I think I think Larson is good, but I don't think he's going to be in contention this weekend. Yep. McDowell and Dinger, though, like if there's a if there's a real reason why I haven't clicked Reddick yet, it's it's these two guys because neither of them are stage racing. Yep. Both of them have been top five cars at road courses, not only this year but in the next gen era. Uh, and I think you can make the argument from a qualifying standpoint too that they are both really good. Um, 
actually, well, I can make a better case for one than the other. But um, yeah, so actually, I think you said nine for Dinger, but I do see a 10 for Dinger. So we okay. could get 10 on both. Yep. Um, so I do think I would lean McDowell only because I think this 34 team is hitting on all cylinders this year, especially when it comes to road courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it obviously a little bit earlier as well, but McDowell very could have very well could have had the best car at Glen, and we just didn't see it because he was catching Byron yeah. before he got that pit road penalty. Uh, and then I think he just compiled. He got one, and they got another. Then his car caught on fire. It was just like a compounding day. But yeah. like, and if you remember back, he won the week before at Indy, and then he went on Denny Hamlin's podcast. And he talked about how he had a scheme in mind, or a uh, yeah, a scheme I guess that he wanted Blake Harris to test for. They want to test it out the Glen. He now they had that win in the back in the back. Uh, the back pocket. Back pocket, yeah. Struggling for words tonight. Uh, and they had room to play around that they wanted to use it. Now, do we know if they actually used that? I don't know. But if they did, it I think it worked. Because yeah, <laughs> it was really fast. Uh, so let's just – I think they've got potentially two setups in their back pocket that they know are race-winning setups. Yeah. Now, McDowell has had a pretty atrocious history, which is why you're probably thinking, like, Chris, I didn't even hear him in your top 11 in your model. Yeah, you're right. He's – well, actually, he's 11. But – um, it's mainly because of his rebel history. His rebel history and his momentum leading in is pretty bad. That's kind of what's pushing him down. Yeah. Um, but I just, I think the 10 to 1 for what we've seen from McDowell, he is number one in total speed at the road courses in 2023. Yeah. Number three in the last two years. I, I don't know how we don't click this 10. And I, okay. I'm kind of here to have you see if you can talk me out of it because yeah. I, I, I kind of want to click this. And that's the only thing keeping me from clicking right at eight. And I like it. I think I like it better than the eight, to be honest, because we okay. know that McDowell's not stage racing. Like he has no yeah. incentive to stage race. Yeah, you're right. There's there's a lot going towards McDowell. I think this week, and you know, we just had a whole diatribe about Tyler Reddick's strategy. Again, if you bet the 34, you don't worry about that. He's him and the 16 are here for one reason to win here. Um, to you know, for him to win his second road course race of the season. Um, I will say though. I think we may have. I don't want to say jump the shark because that's like a negative connotation, but like. You know, when we bet him at the Indy Road Course, it was what 14, 16 to one. We yeah. bet him at Sonoma, it was 16, 18 to one. You know, I don't, I don't remember what he was at Watkins Glen, but I, I can't imagine with Hendricks' prowess there, with Reddick being there, he was anything, you know, lower than 12 or 14 to one. Now we're 10 to one here. Yeah. So what you're saying with McDowell is not only like, obviously, we, we trust him and like he's a very good road course racer. I'm not really debating any of your points there. But if we talk about like the market move, like what's the ceiling of McDowell on Sunday morning? Like, if he pulls this thing, what, 7-1, to one, maybe? Like, could you see – like, McDowell's never taken over Chase Elliott as a favorite. If Reddick qualifies even close to, like, halfway decent, he's going to be over McDowell. Like, if Reddick qualifies fifth and McDowell qualifies first, like, they might be the same number. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they both might be at seven and a half, eight to 1 Right? Byron, I mean, you know, he qualified your second last year. He could be a nice little blocker in that, like, we're not really interested in betting him, but if he qualifies well – he could be a, a name that stays up there at the 78 to one price range and pushes some guys down. I just don't, I understand the, the argument and I'm not saying that I, I'm not interested in McDowell this week, but like clicking him at 10 to one Friday nights, I just feel a little bit more uncertainty with the qualifying compared to a guy like a Reddick compared to a guy like a chase. Like I understand the numbers are, are what they are for us, but like we're talking about like long-term, right? Like, yeah, McDowell's been really good. And like, I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a fast car, but like, I would be more surprised to see Reddit go out there and tank Saturday. 
I'd be more surprised to go out there and see Chase tank Saturday, right? Even a guy like Byron, like I, I feel like I feel like has a bit of a higher floor. And I'm I'm sure your numbers might disprove me, but that's just the feeling that I get. And I'm not I'm just not really here for the 10 to 1. I would rather just watch McDowell be fast and and take the price. Like I just I, I just feel a little bit of anxiety again going out here and and, and you know putting in 40% of our budget on a guy 10 to 1. But I can get Reddick at, at just two points less. Uh, and for, you know, on our personal scale, you know, 0.75 units uh, more than McDowell. That might just be a bias that I'm having to fight with. Um, and certainly McDowell is, is capable of winning this race. But uh, as we see here on Friday night, I, I would be more inclined to go with Reddick at, at 8 to 1 as opposed to McDowell at, at 10. But um, if you are really, really, I think if, you ha- if you're going to click this 10 to 1, like you've just got to be all in on him tomorrow. Like you just you just have to like if you're gonna play my ten to one, I would just go ahead and click the, the poll bet too. Like just have exposure to him on Saturday because um, he is one of the drivers. I think even when you come down to like Byron or Almendinger, et cetera, like these guys that we've talked about in the top six. Like if he has a bad day tomorrow, like his price is going to tank. Um, whereas I don't think that's gonna be the case for guys like Reddick or guys like obviously Chase or Dinger. So um, that's my case against McDowell. It's purely price based. It's purely where we are in the week. Um, we can revisit this in 24 hours and uh, I might be wrong and he's seven to one, six to one. Um, but I, I think he's got a little bit less upside to, to jump these names in front of him in terms of like, you know, in the next 24 hour window, when it comes to the Osborne, that's my only hang up. Yeah. So I will say the qualifying this year, if you throw out Chicago, actually, I don't even, know, I don't even have Chicago on here. So I'm throwing it out. Yeah. That's all I can have it. Yeah. Um, which I guess I should have said at the beginning. I don't have. Chicago in any of the data. Nobody, so, nobody cares about Chicago. <laughs> um, but if you also throw out Coda, Coda being the first road course of the year, right? Which I know I'm using as a comp, but like mm-hmm. for this exercise, I'm throwing it out because okay. it's the first road course of the season. Since then, McDowell has not qualified worse than fourth at a road course. Yeah, third, third, and fourth. So if we use the same methodology that we do for Reddick mm-hmm. of short pitting, and nobody else really, nobody else really. Uh, He's still coming out like six or yeah. seven, whatever. I think McDowell very well could come out first out of that. Because <laughs> if he's qualifying, I mean, he's sixth in my model, but still yeah. his average qualifying position over the last three road courses is yeah. third. So, I mean, there's a there. I think he's going to be in discussion for the win. Like, I really do feel that way. Okay. Now, yeah, go ahead. No, I see your point, though. Like, I think 10, 10 is probably the ceiling, mm-hmm. like you said. If he does go to an eight, I think I'm, I think I'm still comfortable. But past that, I think I'm out. So like we are taking a little bit of risk but of like it's about car construction though at the end of the day, right? Because yeah, like yeah. we're not really get this is not a serious. We're not betting a guy at twenty five to one. No, like maybe well, I mean, it, I mean no, we, yeah, we're not, we're not, we not. We have one guy that I'm going to talk about a little bit lower down, but yes. In general, right? Our decision points are going to be basically two of the top what seven or eight guys. You know, maybe if we get like a nice value, you could fit in a couple, like one guy at like 20 to one or something like that. But yeah. like, there's not really a lot of options. I don't feel like, in the outright market this week. Like, I feel like this is a week and maybe look, it's a robo crazy things can happen. But like, we're trying to handicap this race, trying to figure out who the fastest car is going to be, who's going to be the, the pre-race favorite heading into Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. It's down to like Chase, Reddick, Dinger, McDowell, Byron, and maybe a couple of the guys we come down to here in a little bit. So, um, I just feel like, yeah, it, it it would suck to like have to bet the seven and a half compared to the 10. But if we already have this much conviction at 10, 
and then we know he has a fast car, all of a sudden, like, I'm I'm all in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah, it's nice to save a bit of the budget, but what are we saving the budget for? You know? Like, if, if I can enter Sunday with the two fastest cars or two of the three or four fastest cars in the field and they're starting up to the front, like, I'm cool with that. I don't care about the 18-to-1 guy I missed that's starting 15th and is not never going to enter the top five. You know, so – it, it's it's all about practicality and I understand like getting the best number is very important. Um, but in terms of like our process over the next 48 hours, I don't really see how a 10 to a seven and a half or an eight hurts us that much yeah, in the grand yeah, scheme of things. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so I didn't expect to be this adamantly against the doubt, <laughs> and I'm I'm not. Like I'm I'm comfortable doing it provided he checks enough boxes. Um, unless you were unless you think he just gets to a price point to where we just couldn't touch him. Um I don't think he will, but yeah. I think I think if we lock well, not like actually lock in, but if yeah. like we lock in in our heads that we're just gonna have we're gonna split our eight units between two guys at underneath from like seven to ten to one. Yeah. Then we then we might as well close the laptop. Like the discussion's <laughs> over. Well well so, I mean you have but you have recourse in terms of like if you like guys further on the board, yeah, yeah, like yeah. if there's a guy twenty to one you really like, then all of a sudden the ten to one becomes more valuable because all of a sudden we can fit these pieces in. So that's just that's kind of where my head's at. I feel like if I was handicapped in this race, I would just I don't really give a fuck about eighteen to one and beyond personally. But again, this is why we kind of talk. And if you could convince me on it, like a Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, etc., then you know, my the rhythmic arithmetic changes just a little bit. I think I, yeah, I think I don't think you're wrong. Like, I think there's a few guys I'm going to bring up, but I do have arguments against these guys I'm going to bring up too. So yeah. I think you're right in the fact that like I can't really there's nothing I can punch a hole in McDowell other than the fact that he hasn't been in the role. Other than the fact that he's Michael McDowell. That's the main problem. <laughs> I mean, yes. Yeah. So, anyways, um, AJ Allmendinger, we kind of skipped over him. <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about AJ Allmendinger. I'm being honest. Like, yeah. yes, he's not stage racing. Yes, he's been a top five total speed um, in the last two years, fourth this year. Yeah. But does it feel like it's been that? <laughs> like, I almost kind of feel like this is a, like a backdoor strategy, almost like almost like Harvick being the closer kind of thing uh, where like Dinger is just good enough to where like, he doesn't make any mistakes. Yeah. Um, he doesn't really make it to the win. Yeah. So like, I would feel comfortable. I would feel comfortable placing like a, like a prop bet on Dinger. Yeah. I haven't kind of looked into that yet, but like for, just for instance, for shits and giggles, you can get a plus plus one ninety on AJ Wallman for a top five right now. That's like, really good. I yeah. like that a lot actually. And McDowell's plus one eighty. So for that yeah. same argument, like, so we could almost click those two in the top five market yeah. and kind of lock in that value um, ahead of time is, is the direction we could take. But um, I don't, do I think Dinger's going to win? I, I don't know. I don't think these call cars will be good enough, Yeah, personally. So yeah. as much as Dinger has been good, do I think he's at top five is achievable? 100%. Do I think a win is achievable? I think it's a little bit less likely. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying to look back at the qualifying numbers for Dinger. Is he, has he been qualifying quite well? I see sixth, mm. fifth, seventh. So in the model, he's 13th. Okay. But in 2023, if I take out 2022, he's ninth. Yeah. So he's averaging about an 11th place position, which I think is, that, that yeah. sounds right. Like, it's good enough for a prop, but man, it, it, it would take a some kind of effort to like pass the likes of Chase. And yeah. right. assuming they're all in the same strategy, like I don't really know if the 16 is fast enough for him to like track down some of the best you know, road course. I mean, even the 34. I think in the same yeah. conversation, I like the 34 more than they do the 16. Yeah, that's fair. I, I don't disagree with that. I would I would rather that McDowell than all the bigger uh, as things stand right now. So, okay. We've uh, we've had some lively discussion <laughs> in the first six drivers. 
Which is um, crazy because we've already talked a lot of this through, and now we're like kind of just we're just putting uh, pen to paper here. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, get, get in front of a mic, couple fronties deep, and uh, we just start fighting. But um, yeah, hopefully this is uh, hopefully this is actionable for y'all, and this has helped you guys out a little bit. I know, I know, I, I play devil's advocate a lot for Chris. He's really the expert here, so take what I say with a grain of salt. I'm just kind of going through what I think is more of a casual NASCAR viewer, and um, and kind of where my head's at, kind of on, on a Friday night having a whole few days to to digest this Osborne. But like we said, um, if you follow more of my school of thought where I'm kind of just locked in on two of the top six, these next few drivers maybe not maybe don't mean as much. Chris has obviously gone deeper into the numbers. He might have a few darlings here past 10 to 1 that he has interest in betting, uh, whether it be tonight or tomorrow uh, after practicing qualifying. So this is where, like I said, this is where the numbers at the top mean a lot because – Hypothetically, we haven't made a single click yet. So we can bet a guy at six to one and eight to one and still come in nicely, uh, nice and tidily within budget. But you start throwing in names 18 to one, you start throwing in names 20 to one, and all of a sudden you're gonna need some better numbers at the top if you want to to kind of secure um the same sort of card that we, you know, kind of if you want to kind of get the best of both worlds, I should say. So let's move on into the teens here where we have three JGR teammates side by side by side. Martin Truex Jr. Uh, coming in at 14 to one, obviously a winner. Sonoma uh, was really fast at the Chicago road course as well. Bit of a disappointment, I would say, at Watkins Glen and the uh, Indy road course of the last two road course races. It's actually been a bit of a uh, no-show, but I guess you're kind of getting priced in here, 14 to one for probably the best road course racer in the Toyota camp or outside of Reddick. Um, Chris Bell, 18 to one, sitting right there as well. Chris Bell. Right now, very, very well in Chris's model. Obviously, past champion here. Interested to hear kind of what Chris's overarching thoughts are on the 20. Denny Hamlin, uh, the final JGR teammate here, sitting at 18 to 1 as well. So, Truex at 14, Bell at 18, Hamlin at 18. We'll throw Kyle Bush as well in 18 to 1. He's the same price as, as Bell and Hamlin. Uh, obviously, in a must win position. If you're talking about the narratives, you're talking about guys that absolutely no questions asked need to win. Uh, Kyle Bush would be your guy, 18 to 1. Obviously, very accomplished historic road course racer. Uh, not maybe as much as we as he's kind of switched rides um, into the eight car, but uh, yeah, Truex, Bell, Halen, Kyle Busch. Is there anybody that piques your fancy uh, from fourteen to eighteen to one, Chris? The only guy that I can't poke a hole in is Kyle Busch. Interesting, um, because well, maybe not, maybe not can't poke a hole in. I'm sure there is an argument out there, but you just said like another guy that has to win. Yeah. Um, another guy that ranks um, inside the top eight in qualifying. He has run about top eight on red courses this year. So you might say, okay, yeah, maybe I think maybe I am poking a hole a little bit of my own here. Like maybe the to win price isn't there, but like there's also the fact that like in the back of their mind, they have to win. So right. like they have to do what they can to win so not a week to bet Kyle Busch top 10 <laughs> yeah this isn't a probably on Kyle Busch yeah. um so I do like the price from a fact of like I think of these guys that we're talking about he's the only one that I think needs to win yeah is there is yeah. no question he is not stage racing yeah um so from that argument I do like the 18 to 1 now mm-hmm. you know he does have he is first in average finish um at the Roval in the last two years. It's interesting. Um, but 
Um, where do you finish last year after on that carnage? Is that yeah? That, that's also bit? yeah. I was just about to look that up because that might have something to do with it. But I've got the X-ray right here. So he's finished third and fourth in the last two years. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've got eighth on Kyle Busch. But this is through Iron Two races. The X-ray, the in-race X-ray. It says and lap one twelve, the twenty, the four, the eighteen. Oh, sh- what are you looking at? <laughs> I thought he was in the. Never mind. Well. I, I I saw I looked, I searched for the eight car and uh, Kyle Busch was not driving the eight car in 2022. So apparently, um, yeah, I need to do some research and figure out. Uh, you got the eight and forty-five. Just which which drivers are driving rich race cars? We're only fucking six months into the season, but we are still struggling. <laughs> so yeah, you are you are correct, Christopher. Uh, Kyle Busch finished third last year. I can confirm. I was about to say my whole model's fucked up. Okay, <laughs> I thought I was like I swear I pasted this straight from racing, but racing I, reference. I will say right, he was. He only entered the top five after the carnage. Yeah, yeah. Lap 106, he was running in the 20s. He kind of had some stints like ninth through 12th for like most of stage two, but never really kind of entered the top five until the late race carnage. So if you're talking about like running, average running position, he'll he'll definitely be a little bit further down in that, uh, that statistic. Well, and I can also tell you, let's see, his average running position at the, the tracks that I'm putting more emphasis on, uh-huh. Kyle Busch ranks... <laughs> I feel like every stat I've looked up for Kyle Busch is the same. It's just like seventh or eighth and everything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, with that being said, I guess my the only hole I can poke right is yeah. he hasn't been, like, dominant enough to maybe have, like, a race-winning car. Yeah. It's almost like the AJ, AJ Albanera case all over again. Like, I feel like he's good at road courses. He's not stage racing, but he's going to have a car good enough to win the race. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, I think we could have made the exact same argument about Christopher Bell last year. Yeah, the exact same argument. Like sure. Christopher Bell, you kind of ex- like if all things being equal, if this is just a regular old race, you kind of expect Christopher Bell to finish seventh, eighth, ninth. But he's got to win. You know, Adam Stevens made the call from the, from the pit from the pit box when the caution came with six or seven to go. He's like we're taking tires, and we're gonna hope that maybe a couple more cautions come out. We can you know finagle our way on restarts, and and I could see a very similar thing happen yeah. with Kyle Busch. Yeah. I don't expect him to come out here and dominate this race, but. If this comes down to a strategy call late, like that eight cars is dangerous to anybody because they have nothing to lose. So yeah, yeah. It, it's you're, you're getting priced, you're getting obviously priced in. Like he's not priced like a car that you expect to go out there and dominate Saturday, dominate Sunday. So I, I understand that narrative. Um, man, I just have a, I just have a real hard time betting like narratives like that. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, yeah, we're gonna feel stupid when he goes out there and wins in the same <laughs> exact way Christian Bell did. But you know what? Like week in week out, we've talked about this. Like I'm I'm trying to find the fastest car in the field. Like if I can find the fastest car on the field in a given week, I'm I let the chips kind of fall where they may, and I just think there's like a very small chance that Kyle Busch goes out there and like dominates this race. Not exactly a bold call. He's fucking eighteen to one pre pre race, but yeah, no, I think um, I think it's fair. I think we I think we both agree. I just wanted to talk that one out because I think I have seen a lot of people betting him, and I also think that there is a case to be made for him. It makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. I, uh, I don't I don't begrudge any from anyone for betting him. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think it's for me. The only other guy I can make an argument for, to be honest, like I'm out on Denny. I'm out on Truex. I think they are more than happy to go out there in stage one, get the points. I think Denny actually, I think literally all he needs is like one stage. Point. Yeah, Denny's, like Denny's in. Denny's, if, Denny, uh, if Denny doesn't make the round of eight, like, dude, that yeah. is actually cursed. Like, he needs to get out of NASCAR, like, ride ASAP if he doesn't make this round of eight. So, so, yeah, I don't really. And plus, Denny's just not really a. Like, yes, I know we saw him flash at um, Chicago, but that was Chicago in the rain. That was completely different. He just didn't have the road course pedigree that you would expect. Yeah. For a guy that's been, you know, for as long as he's been in NASCAR. Yeah. I would rather bet Kyle than Denny. Yeah. Truex, 
you know, he's had flashes in the pan as well. Yeah. Uh, but I also, and I said this last week, I just feel like they're trending in the wrong direction right now. I don't know. I'm having trouble jumping on the bandwagon this 19 team. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's this week either. Like, I think, again, I think they need stage points. Like, they're more than happy. They're only 17 points above the cup line. Cup line. So, like, they can't risk anything. Like, they've yeah. just got to play it safe. Um, so, yeah, I'm out on Truex. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the one I've been waiting for. So, I can go ahead and tell you right now, we're betting in qualifying. Okay. Because Christopher Bell is undefeated on Saturdays, especially <laughs> yeah. in 2023. Yep. And this is the surprise I was mentioning earlier. He's number one in the qualifying model. It shocks me. It's 12 to 1. I'm going to be honest. Exactly. Yeah. So. so that's already locked in. Yeah. The poll for uh, Bell is locked in. I actually already I haven't clicked it yet, but I'm looking at McDowell as well. He's a plus 850. I kind of like that. Yep. I don't really see myself clicking Reddick, Chase, any of those guys at the four, six, seven, ones. Yeah. So right now, if I had to, if I had to construct a qualifying card on the fly, it's going to be McDowell. It's going to be um, Bell. Bell, and then there's one other guy that I'm probably going to talk about because we're already like an hour and five in. Okay. But number, uh, I've already talked about um, three of the guys in the top four of my model, but I haven't said who the other one is. Okay. Uh, number four in the model is actually Daniel Suarez, and. Yeah. I privately hit a, hit a qualifying bet on Suarez. I didn't post it public, um, and I've been kicking myself ever since. But he's still number two in this model. Yeah. Um, and I believe last year I can he qualified that. third. Yeah, I can check that. For you. So Suarez, I think the qualifying card is going to be. I think that's it. I think it's Suarez, McDowell, and Christopher Bell. <laughs> so now, if you're Christopher Bell, right now, here's the poke the hole in the argument. Like, if he's on the pole. He's 22 points above the cut line. Does he just stay out, get his stage points, and call it a day? <laughs> like, yeah. I kind of feel like he might. Like, almost yeah. like the Logano strategy of last year. Just get your 10 points. If you finish 20th, so be it. Like, you're three. Yeah. So, yeah. As, yeah. Much as, as much as he rates out really well for me, I do think, you, I don't know if you said this on the podcast or off the podcast, I think a little bit might be boosted up by the chaos from last year and winning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, because just this year, I mean, he is actually – Top five this year in total speed at road courses. So I mean the speed is there. But again, like I think he's a guy that he's yeah, he's Kyle Bush, but he has less incentive to like actually go for it. Wait, say it. I'm saying like he, like him and Kyle Bush profile very similar in terms of like speed I projected oh, them uh, this week. Okay. But like Bell has more incentive to obviously play it safe. Yeah. Like, yeah he doesn't yeah. have to go out there. Right. And and as much as I don't like doing it buying the narratives, like that narrative is, is undeniable. Like Kyle right. Bush has more incentive to win the race than Christopher Bell. So we're just talking like outrights. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. The exposure to Bell, I think, uh, would be Paul and then, you know, maybe like a stage one um, winner or something like that because I do feel like you're right. It's 10 stage points. He's already 22 points to the good. He can go out there and stage and, and stage race twice. Um, yeah, and, and definitely secure enough points to, to feel safe heading into stage three. And you bring so. up a really good point. And I don't feel like our book is the best at always giving us access to stage bets. Some weeks we get it, some weeks we don't. Yeah. If we do get stage bets this week, I will be targeting guys that I think are going to stay out. Yeah. So any uh, so any early leans for that? So Bell. Bell McDowell. Kozlowski, if he's even fast. I don't know about for a win, though. Yeah. Okay. Like, I think it's going to be the guys that I think are going to qualify well and have no intent to, to, to yeah. chase stage points. So Okay. Or sorry. That's actually backwards then. No, no, they have no incentive to a short pit. Yeah, yeah sorry, short pit. Yes. So the guys that, yeah, the guys I think could stay out. So I think Bell's obviously in that conversation. I think McDowell most definitely. I think Dinger most definitely. I think you're talking about two stage pit guys that are going to stay, are going to short pit. I'm sorry. 
I'm no. talking about guys. You, you think you think AJ oh, Hawk is playing out? McDonald, yeah, sorry. So I'm getting, I'm getting yeah, all backwards okay. now. So who's, guys that will, who's playing for stage points? Yeah, so Bell. And it's going to be fast. So Bell, yeah. Busher. I know we haven't talked about him outright yet, but. Yeah, Busher would. Busher for sure. Yep, yep. And actually, where's he rank outs for qualified? Nine. So, okay. So good enough. Yeah, yeah. good enough to, to maybe. I mean, if he, if he starts ninth, he's not going to be that high up in the stage one winner rankings anyway. We'll probably get 20 to 1 on him. Right. close. Right. Um, so, yeah, uh, I would say, yeah, Bell and Busher, Truex, I think would could stay out. He's kind of on that borderline. Larson and Truex are kind of both on the borderline. He's not really great at qualifying, though. He's 15th in the qualifying model. So, okay. um, I don't know about Truex. Um, well, we're, we're going to have the answers to the test. You know, like, yeah, we're going to have yeah, the starting yeah. order exactly. for stage yeah, one. Yeah. So, like, it's we're just kind of more so uh, outlining guys who we think will stay out. That way, you can just kind of pick the guy that qualifies the best and looks the best, and then you can kind of project the guys ahead of them to, you know, potentially go in short pit. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're right. The guys from, like, four through seven, even four through eight, it's, it, I think Kozlowski's not going to qualify very well, but, like, Bell, Busher, Truex, Larson, Kozlowski probably have the most incentive to stay out in stage race. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, Larson's going to qualify, too. Yes. Yeah. Um, even though as a fan, I I don't really know if I want Larson to stage race because I he's only 15 points to the good, and uh, if especially if like Redick wins, I don't want him to like ruin his race stage racing and like all of a sudden Larson finishes 23rd and like he is like you know white knuckling it in the last few laps. Um, I'd rather Larson just go out there and like finish seventh. That would be my ideal because I feel like that'd be enough points and we wouldn't have to worry about the stage race. But anyway, that's just me being a Larson fan. Um, <laughs> You talked about one more guy, kind of past twenty to one, that you like for maybe an outright bet. Um, I know we already talked about Kyle Busch and Seabell. Um, you know, I think we're probably a little bit higher Kyle Busch after ten to one in terms of if we had to bet a guy um, this far down the board outright. But you know, this next year, Blaney or I'm sorry, Ty Gibbs, Daniel Suarez, both twenty to one. Chris Busher, twenty two to one. Chastain, Blaney, twenty five. I'll let you kind of go further down there. But if there is a guy that that are you thinking about anyone past 20 to one for like a pure outright? Can he win this race? Um, or are we kind of sticking to these top 10 names? Yeah, I think when we started this podcast, I think I did have some guys in mind. But I think now that we've talked through some scenarios, I feel a little less vindicated. Okay. The guy I was going to bring up was Busher. Yeah. But I also think that he's kind of on the fence. We're like, yeah, I don't really know what he's going to do. So, and if if we were to bet reddick for example yeah i would hate for a whole car to be thrown in the trash right from the get-go if like all of a sudden reddick and busher stay out and it's like well fuck like right well, so and the, the thing with busher as well is like i can handle a guy having uncertainty with strategy i can handle a guy maybe not being like not having race winning speed as long as they're like aiming to win i can't deal with both and i feel like busher kind of de- has both where like i'm kind of unsure about what strategy he's going to call and i'm not really confident he's going to have like the best a top three or four car in the field so like What's the point of betting out, right? Yeah. Um, so that would be. I know we're talking a lot of strategy, and again, we could be. I could be dead fucking wrong in, in a couple of days, but that's just kind of how I see it. I don't really want to waste a lot of funds down here. So if he, he is. I mean, he is. As far as the model goes, he's fifth in the model. Yeah. And he's the best of the rest outside of the top four. So, like, I do think, like, and we saw last year, like, he did have opportunities to like win. This year, I would say we maybe haven't seen that at the road courses. Now we've seen Busher, like, they've pulled speed out of their ass. At like Michigan and I'm drawing some other tracks, but there's some other ones that he just pulled. Was it Richmond, right? Richmond was the other one he won. Yeah, back to, yeah, yeah. But there was even like I think I can make a case for Richmond, but like the yeah. my, the mile and a half are the ones like where did that come from? 
True. Um, so like, I think Bushwhack can make the case. Like, I think I can actually counter your argument of like, because he actually has first and average finish in the next gen era at road courses. So, um, and he's coming in with momentum. He's third in drive rating over the last six races. So mm-hmm. there's that factor as well. Um, so I, I think Bushwhack has a lot of things going for him. But again, I think it's just the entirety of like, what is he gonna do? Yeah. Like if we were betting, if we were betting. McDowell and Bush, that's two guys in two different strategies. I think that's a good strategy, but if we did like Reddick and Bush, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. So that's, again, it's car construction, I think. That's fair. That's fair. I would I would rather bet Kyle Bush than Chris Bush. Though. How about you? Yes. You would have that Kyle, right? Okay. Yeah. 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 So I even though I spoke against the whole narrative thing, like if we're going past 10 to 1, I I would rather have the guy that we have no doubts. Like this guy needs to win. Um, and we've talked about it enough times still where. All right. Before we end the podcast though. Okay. So I prepared you for this question at uh, we were just say me and me and Miche. We had a me and Miche. You're, the, you're the Italian. I have uh, I have no me and Miche. Yeah, there you go. Uh, for <laughs> you had to use the hand. You, know? <laughs> you can't do it without the hand motion. You see, you see Sam burns the rattle cup when he was doing this. <laughs> yeah. I um, lost my five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I I don't even know if there's any golf listeners listening, but if you're if you are a golf listener and you've listened an hour and ten minutes into this podcast, thank you. Uh, yeah, first of all, thank you. <laughs> Second of all, I'm curious. I asked Ian if there's if there's anybody in his weekly process that consistently models out really well. The model probably tells him you should bet this guy, but you just never do. Yeah, who is that guy for you? I mean, I've got a fucking lot. I mean, how long do you have? I'll say <laughs> just give me like a number one or number two. Or top two. I mean, uh, the king of this of like, oh my god, he should play really well here, but I'm not fucking putting real money in this guy to win. Corey Connors. Okay. okay. Corey, Corey Connors. I mean, one of the best ball strikers on the planet, but like. I mean, even when he had like a four shot lead of Valero, like we didn't have him on the card, but he just looked like he was, he could not wait to choke that thing away. Um, so any, anything outside of like a Mickey Mouse event, not going to bet Corey Connors, even though he rates out spectacularly. Um, Give me another one. Give me another one. I don't know if it's a great one to one fair. Okay. Um, do you want like, you want high end guys or do you want like kind of mid tier guys? Mid tier. Mid tier. Okay. Um, I would say, does Tommy Fleetwood count as mid tier? I think so. Yeah. Tommy Fleetwood is probably one for me. I mean, yeah, that's probably the one because I, I feel like I kind of have the same guys that pop up every single week, and I bet a lot of them. I mean, I bet Scotty Sheffler a lot. I bet Rory a lot. Hovland, Cantley, Xander, we, we've all been through with all these guys. So I, I feel like, like the Fleetwood one. All right, Fleetwood, so, yeah. so I have a guy that I think for like probably the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth week in a row is number one in my variance model. Do you know who it is? Um, variance model? As like, in, like upside, as in like he ranks better in my model than is on the odd board. So like he's the, oh, the, it's yeah. telling me that I should bet him. Ty Gibbs, actually no, no, actually, where is Ty Gibbs? No, actually not even close. Okay, well <laughs> then I, uh, I mean Bubba, I guess would be the main guy. Like, Alex Bowman. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. <laughs> so I, I think, feel like we're we're doing Fleetwood a disservice here. To be honest with you. Yeah, no, that's why I said yeah. give me like Bowman, <laughs> Bowman is more Corey Connors than Tommy Fleetwood. Like, like so? yeah, well, I could give you your explanation because your explanation was like. He's got like immense high upside. I don't like to say that about Corey. About no, about Bowman. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Bowman has like when everything's striking right. Do we still think he's light years better than everybody else? I, I mean, yeah. So. Same with Corey Connors. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, yeah. Fleetwood at least has like finished run, runner of a major. He's won plenty on the European tour. He's probably a top fifteen player in the world. Connors is like the ultimate guy. Where like if you look at spreadsheets, golf spreadsheets, like you love Corey Connors, but. Then you like actually bet him for the first time in your life, and like, why the fuck did I put real money in this dude? Which I think is kind of like Bowman, but um, so yeah, Bowman is uh, sixth in the model, sixteenth on the odds board, so it's a plus ten difference. Um, first in average finish at the Roval over the last five 
races there. No, sorry, not five. Three races there. It's wild, yeah. Um, second average finish over the last two. Um, and fifth and average finish on the road courses in 2023. Now, with that being said, he hasn't had total speed inside the top 10 this year at road course. So it's almost like a, again, like a backdoor. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think we're going to bet Hux Bowman, but I just want to call out just in case there was any interest there. Cause I've got personally none for me, but I might have like maybe a new concept for your question. Then like, who's a guy that like you look up the le- at the leaderboard on Sunday, you're like, how the fuck did he get there? I feel like that's more Alex Bowman than like he rates out really well. Like, okay. in like advanced stats. So we can, we can explain that. Like, I feel like, I mean, Brian Harmon's kind of like that, to be honest with you, where he's like, how the fuck is Brian I like that one, Yeah, actually. He finished T6 at this tournament. Like, I don't remember Brian Harmon being, like, in the mix at all. And I'm like, you're talking about Alex Bowman. Like, you you like, you like look back at average finishes, and you're like, how did he finish fourth in that race? Like, he, he was not a rele- – he was irrelevant for, like, the entire day. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be maybe how one – because I don't feel like Bowman's a guy that, like, everyone's, like, super high on the talent. I feel like he's maybe a guy that overachieves in some metrics and – uh you know, you look back and you're like, oh, wow, that's pretty good. And then, you know, it's, it's sometimes enough to, to get you a best money. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah, the better way to put it is his finishes right up better than the actual, like, behind the curtain stats. Do. Right. So, right. Like, you never feel good with, like, an Alex Bowman ticket. You know, <laughs> even if he finishes fourth, like, you're just like, I don't know. Maybe we're being a little bit too harsh on Bowman. He's had a, he's had a rough year. Um, I know towards the start, he was actually really good. I remember, like, the first, like, two months of the season, NASCAR fans were like, oh, dude, is this, like, Alex Bowman's breakout year? Um, we I'm, we talked about it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we actually ranked him number two in the stable at that point. <laughs> oh my god! I think we did. <laughs> There's no way. I think it was last year, but I think I'm pretty sure it was with the Speedway Steve guys. I'm pretty sure we had this discussion because they're Bowman fans. Oh, I think we actually rated that him. A, that was a bit of fan service. I'm sorry. Was, <laughs> I never thought Alex Bowman was the second best driver in the Hendrick Paddock. I'm pretty sure we did do that yeah. at one point. So, so whoops, whoops yeah. on us. 2022 Ian was a different man. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But all right, guys. Well, I'm sure we've talked years off enough. Uh, me and Chris just kind of back in the same room again. We've been chatting shit for the last like, hour and a half. So um, if you guys are still here, we appreciate you as always. Chris will obviously get uh, his poll bets out before tomorrow's qualifying. He will get uh, our poll card out before Sunday's race. So keep an eye on that, both on Twitter and the Action Network. Um, and I feel like this has been a pretty productive discussion. You know, a bit of bit of heat is there is there a driver right now as we sit after an hour and a half of talking that you're like okay yeah i'm betting like either either like i helped you or you're like no fuck you ian like i'm doing this i don't care if you come along or not what's what's the driver as you sit here right now that you're the most bullish on kind of heading into the weekend at Rural? i mean don't hate me but i think it's a doubt <laughs> okay fair enough that's kind of why i pressed because i just feel like right even if we bet him now at 10 yeah like Maybe all right. Let me, let me phrase it this way. I don't think there's a. I don't think there is a, a world where we're not betting McDowell. Like unless he just goes out there and like practices like shit in the twenties yeah. and qualifies in the twenties, then maybe. But like, I feel like no matter if he, as long as he qualifies within the top ten and the practice numbers are within the top ten, yeah, I feel like I'm probably still gonna bet him. So like, I feel like no matter if he's Eight, nine, 10, 12, 15, whatever he is. Like, I feel like I'm probably going to be betting Michael Weedow. Okay. Um, in that case, then we should probably bet him tonight. Right. Because the upside, because he had, he does possess the upside to be seven to one, eight to one tomorrow. Right. So, where, but then the flip side of that is then we're only left with five, five. units, which gets us to what, a six, six to one. one. But I think if Reddick pulls it, 
Reddick's five. Now four and a half, five to one. Yeah. Same with Chase. So I do think there is intent to wait, basically, is what I'm saying. Like, I do think the card is probably going to be Reddick McDowell. Reddick McDowell. Yeah. Like, I feel pretty confident about that. Yeah. But I do think we want to, we either, I think we actually either lock in Reddick now and yeah. wait to lock in McDowell, whatever price he's at, better or worse. Right. Actually, I think that is the answer. If I'm okay. Being honest. okay. <laughs> I, I, I still think Chase is at play. You think so? Yeah. Six to one, man. Like, on a guy that has dominated this track. Yeah. Like, Okay, the only thing I have, the only question I have is we're, we're still at the coffee. I don't, if you guys have tuned out, then so be it. This is just for me and Chris. Like, what happened with Chase the Glen? What, like, what the fuck happened? Like, he did nothing. Like, he was a no-show at the Glen. After finishing second just a, what, a couple weeks ago, at the, or the week before, Andy Road Course, like, give me the breakdown on, like, like, that's the only thing that's that's keeping me kind of off of Chase right now. Because in terms of, like, robo history, in terms of, obviously, him, his road course history in general, uh, feels like, that team is is kind of primed to win. It feels like if they are going to win the season, it, it is kind of has to be here. Um, so, like, what happened? Like, how how much does the Glenn performance affect your overall handicap of the night? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's. I, I don't want to like personally say that it's like I don't think it's enough to say that he's like all of a sudden like always oh, off my card. Yeah, like it was bad. He qualified fifteenth. He was seventeenth in total speed. Yeah, we were had stage breaks, so he had opportunities to make up ground, and he didn't. So, yeah. like, it is scary, but that's also, like, the worst he's ever been right. at a road course. Like, right. when you look at total speed, like, just across my screen is 7th, 5th, 1st, 5th, 7th, 4th, ninth, 2nd, 17th. So, yeah. like, I think it's just an outlier, to be honest. So, like, right. It's like whether whether Gustafson and the 19 were just trying something yeah, because they kind of needed a win. Yeah, um, That's really the only argument I have, and maybe whatever they tried just didn't work. Yeah. Um, so I think hopefully they just scrap that <laughs> and yeah. they go back to whatever they, you know, a better setup this time around. So yeah. it's fair. Um, again, it's it's kind of my my uh, brand name bias that I tend to have, where like I don't like betting Mexico now ten to one. It just doesn't <laughs> feel good. So I like I like the security of being like, yeah, Chase Elliott, and Tyler Reddick. Like how sick of a card is that on my road course? But um, yeah, again, we've talked your ears off plenty um, and. Chris's following system will be posted on Twitter. So there's no need to worry. Uh, you guys will be updated on the fly hunting uh, Twitter page. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and sign off here before, uh, <laughs> before we start. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I like how we, we finally deep dove chase after an hour, 40 minutes. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, go ahead and sign it off, Chris. I'm, uh, I'm done nagging for the day. Yeah. Uh, so obviously we kind of talked through a lot of potential op- options for the card, but I do think it'll be some capacity of, you know, Chase, Reddick, McDowell, maybe a dinger slides in there if, if I see something from practice that I really like or if McDowell's just really that bad. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's probably going to be two of those four guys. Um, okay. The Bell, Suarez, McDowell qualifying bets are going to be locked in shortly. Uh, so as you listen to this, I probably already put this on Twitter and Action Network at this point, so bet those. And then prop card to follow. Um, props will probably be... Um, not like very like long short. shots. Don't no, oh. like the opposite actually because I feel like road courses are very predictable. Okay, fair. Yeah, and I, I don't I think it's hard to predict for chaos. I don't really want to predict for chaos yeah, just for no. the sake of. That's why I said long shots because I felt like this is a race where you can kind of sneak a guy into the, like the backdoor top ten, backdoor top five with some of the 
shit we've seen in the back end of races. But but if you look at last year without the sign caution, like yeah, it's pretty predictable. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, this, is, this is not a race. Like I would I would not mind like betting a minus one forty prop here. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because like you just have that inherent confidence. And it's, and it's I'm not. Really, not the fact that I also just do my prop card before we even get to tomorrow because yeah. I think I did that earlier this year, like locking in some of these values and stuff, like McDowell plus 180 top five. Like, I feel like that's going to be gone tomorrow. Yeah. Like, a lot of these, the books have kind of closed us down on these props. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm on a tangent again. So, Niels is a stay tuned for the card. I know we didn't lock in a lot of bets tonight, but I think you have a good idea of kind of where, where we stand. Yeah. So, uh, with that being said, guys, enjoy the race. Um, Hey, we're coming back to the Roval next year, which, you know. Great TV race. I want to say, because we kind of slandered the Roval, because we went to the race last year, not a good race to watch in person. I will say on TV, it's it, it shows a lot better than yeah. I feel like it yeah. does in person. Not a great race to go to. I would rather go to the 600, the All-Star race, when it was in Charlotte. Um, but, yeah, on TV, I, I do enjoy watching the Roval. I like it. I like watching road course races on TV, because you would get a better scope of what's going on in the yeah. race. Um, All right. That's that it. Said. That's yeah. it. We promise. Let's uh, hit two winners in a row, guys. Let's, yeah. let's do it. See you guys.